Welcome to Center Ice. It's been a little while. It is September 20th. Uh, the weather's starting to get cooler, finally. And the Stanley Cup is on. The Dallas Stars versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Matt, I think it's safe to say that a lot of people were thinking Tampa Bay. I, I don't think very many people were thinking Dallas at all. And to be honest, I, I can't really fault them in that with the way... Dallas kind of ended the season. Yeah, you're right. And Dallas going into the playoffs in particular, they just, they looked awful. I thought that Calgary was going to beat them and there was no scoring. That was the big thing for me. We knew they could defend and we knew they could score at times, but during the play in, during the play in round Robin, there was almost no offense from anybody. No one was, anywhere to be seen and then as soon as the playoffs started it took i'd say it took them a couple games there matt but by the time they got to games three and four of that first round series against the flames guys like heiskanen and klingberg just got going and they've been on a roll ever since and you know you and i doubted the stars in round two we didn't in round three and i'm glad we didn't because as much as you can say vegas's offense just went quiet and they didn't get any scoring support from guys like Stone and Pacioretty, which is true. Dallas mm-hmm. also shut them down very well at times, too. Whenever Vegas tried to get something going, they the Stars just shut them down right away. They played so well. And I got to say, it's hard to bet against the Stars. It really is because they've just done all the right things in this playoff. Yeah, it's just it's one of those kind of Cinderella stories because people do forget that they were the best team to face St. Louis last year. And I do wonder if they won that series, if they would have maybe beat Boston and won the Stanley cup. I certainly think it's possible. Um, But yeah, it's been a crazy run for them. And of course, Anton Hudobin, like how good has he been? He's got to be, if not the favorite, one of the favorites to win the consummate right now. I mean, 34 years old, kind of a journeyman. He's been all over the place. He found a home in Dallas kind of the last few years. And he's quietly been one of the better goalies in the league. He just hasn't played a lot. And he's showing you that, you know, he can play maybe not a starter's load of games, but he's well-rested. You know, Ben Bishop played a significant amount this year, and so did he. But now you have a situation where next year you have Ben Bishop uh, on the books for, I think it's another two, three years. And then Hudobin's a UFA, but you also have Jake Ottinger coming up, and he's a, he's a really good young goalie. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Hudobin come free agency, but everybody loves him there. I would think they'll try and keep him. I don't see why you would let a guy like that go unless he's asking for you know, an unreasonable amount of money. But yeah, I mean, Dallas just, they're just doing everything right. And like you said, they had a tough run to get to the Stanley Cup, you know. First of all, you didn't play very well against Calgary, like you mentioned. And then you ran into two really good teams, Vegas and Colorado. And those series took a lot out of you, even though one of them was shorter than the other. And here you are, you know, game one of the Stanley Cup final, looking to capture another cup. 
And you looked pretty good in game one. I mean, first two periods was all Dallas. Second, sorry, the third period was all Tampa Bay. But if you win two out of three periods, you're doing pretty well. Yeah, I would agree. And on Hudobin again, Mac, I would say that you're going up against Vasilevsky, who's probably going to win the Vezina this year. I don't see why he he doesn't. But, you know, you played very admirably against a Vezina caliber goaltender. And you're right. I think Dallas, in hockey, generally you just need to win two out of three periods. And Dallas has got the defensive skill that when Tampa gives them those pushes, they can certainly weather the storm. We've seen it with Colorado. We've seen it with Vegas. And now we're starting to see it with Tampa Bay. The Stars are just on a mission here, Mac. And also credit to Rick Bonus, who uh, has coached incredibly well. I'm very happy for him. Obviously, the first head coach of the Ottawa Senators 20-plus years ago. And so happy to see him. He's been a bit of a journeyman, just like Hudobin. He's been all over the place and everywhere in hockey, and this is his opportunity. And certainly a lot of people here in the Ottawa area are rooting for him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so before we talk about more about the Stanley Cup and make our picks and talk about the series, let's cover some news and notes here. First of all, the Buffalo Sabres made a move, getting Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson. Um, they save a little bit of money. 3.25 for Eric Stahl, uh, 4.5 for Marcus Johansson. Yeah, I thought it was a good trade, although I, you know, I can't really blame Eric Stahl when he's this kind of blindsided him. Uh, he's been a part of well, Minnesota. I'm sure you've for, heard the. Uh, I'm sure you've heard time. the radio interview. <laughs> I saw the. I saw the little clip he recorded for the Sabers Twitter, and it just. You could tell, like, I, I, a guy like him would know that Buffalo is kind of a mess right now. And, mm -hmm. you know, Minnesota is one thing because they're a solid team and they've always kind of been in the playoff hunt. But to get traded mm -hmm. to a Buffalo, especially at his age, that can't feel very good. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing, I forget which radio station it was, Mac. I'll have to dig it up for you later. But it was either Buffalo or Carolina or you know, one of the sports radio stations down in the States. And they basically asked him, you know, when did you learn about the trade? And he said, I forget it. It was one of his neighbors or he just heard about it on his phone. And he said, what did he think? He was shocked, completely blindsided him, especially right now. And I think he'll be a good fit. I think once he gets adapted, it will be great there. But, you know, it's hard to pick up and move like that, especially at all of a sudden when you aren't expecting to be traded. Yeah, absolutely. I just, like, they've got so many guys that they could potentially move, and they've already said Miko Koivu is done, uh, Galchenyuk is done, they re-signed Brodeen, and I just was really surprised that they would make a move like that. I mean, anyway, we'll see how it works out. It's worth noting that Marcus Johansson is good friends with uh, Jonas Brodeen. Um... And they've trained together before. So it could work out for Minnesota. I mean, Johansson has usually been a very good player. It's just last year he was not very impressive with Buffalo. But then, you know, not many players were. It was a tough year for the Sabres. Um, okay, Alex Petrangelo. We've talked about this before. We 
both of us feel like it would be such an extreme change for him to leave St. Louis. But at the same time, right now, they, they don't have the money, Matt. And it sounds like he's headed for free agency unless they can move another contract. Yeah, that's what it's sounding like. And I remember back when we did our potential free agents list in June, I think it was. It was that long ago. And both of us had Petrangelo near the top, if not at the top of our list. And there's a good reason. The one thing we weren't sure at the time was would St. Louis be able to keep him? And evidently it's looking like they won't be able to. And certainly uh, Petrangelo is going to get a lot of calls from pretty much every team in the league looking for that caliber of defenseman. The question is, what kind of money is he going to get? Because it's he's not going to come at a cheap price, that's for sure, even with the flat yeah. cap. Yeah, but this is a contract that he deserves, really. I mean, he's been oh, absolutely. a player for a long time and one of the best defensemen in the league for a long time. So, And he's still very good. And don't think that because St. Louis had an early exit in the playoffs this year that he didn't play very well. He did. He had another excellent year. So now here, here's some teams that I thought were really interesting. Like we know about kind of the usual suspects. Like you said, every team is going to be interested in him for good reason, but I'm hearing Rangers flames and jets. Now those three teams are really interesting. I don't know if the flames could convince him because you know, they're doing a little bit of retooling of their own right now, and I don't think they're as good as some of the other teams. But, I mean, just thinking about the Rangers or the Avalanche, those are both really good fits. I mean, if he went to the Avs, he could take a little bit of pressure off Kale McCarr. You know you know how good he is defensively, but he can also put up 40 to 50 points every year. That would be a really good signing for them. And then... You know, the Bruins, the Leafs, the Oilers, and the Winnipeg Jets are in dire need of a right-handed defenseman. Although, again, I don't know if he would go there either. So it really depends what Petrangelo wants. And I get the sense that what he would prefer, and this isn't me being biased because I'm from Toronto, is either signing with St. Louis or signing with Toronto. Having said that, Toronto doesn't have a lot of cap space. And it would be difficult for them to get a deal done. But I mean, if I'm him, I'm thinking I would love to play for the Avs. I would be interested in playing for maybe the Oilers. Uh, The Jets would be a solid team. I don't think I'd want to play for the Flames. The Rangers, I think I'd, I'd like to play for. So, and potentially the Bruins. I mean, we'll see what the Bruins do. I've heard the Bruins. But it sounds like... Tory Krug is not coming back, and, and that opens up a lot of cap space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see Boston absolutely being in on Alex Petrangelo. I think Boston's going to be in on a lot of defensemen yeah. that will be available. You know, OEL, we'll get to that, to that news in a minute, but I've mm-hmm. heard rumors of Boston being in on him as well. So I think Boston's yep. going to have a very uh, active offseason, and especially with Jake DeBrusque more than likely heading to the free agency market, getting Alex Petrangelo. And I like I like Jake DeBrusque. I like Tori Krug. These are great guys, along with Zizino Shara. But Petrangelo would be a huge upgrade. And oh, absolutely. That would be, yeah. yeah. Well, think about this, Mac. You could have 
Grizzlick and Petrangelo on a line, for example. That would be absolutely crazy. Yeah, <laughs> no, they. I think Boston's playing this this really smart. I think they just they didn't really show their hand until the chips started to fall, and now you've got OEL out there on the market, um, and you've got enough cap space that you could potentially sign a Petrangelo or trade for an OEL. And I think that won't be it for them. I think they're going to be very active, like you said. Um, so moving on to the Coyotes really quick. It sounds like they're, they're embarking on a mini rebuild. They just hired their new general manager. Um, and it sounds like they're, they're trying to cut some money. So guys like Darcy Kemper and Oliver ekman Larson are available. And I do wonder... Um, if they're kind of available at a discount because they're very eager to move money. And look, I don't know what the financial situation is there in Arizona, but, you know, they've always been kind of, they've had some financial issues really throughout their history. And I've heard they were late on paying bonuses to players and staff. So we'll see what happens there. But I think there's going to be a lot of interest in those two. And I think a lot of playoff teams would benefit from bringing one of those guys in. Yeah, you're right. Uh, knowing how finances can be here in Ottawa, and we've only had down attendance for a few seasons, I imagine the, the finances in Arizona aren't all that good, and I'm sure the owner, looking at the books, has said, look, uh, OEL and Camper are both very good, but I'd love to shed some cap here so that we can afford to pay our players our bonuses and I think that changes will be coming I think Arizona will be very active in the offseason I don't think we're going to see a teardown but I think you're going to see a retool here Uh, the Kemper one surprised me a bit more if you're a team in search of goaltending like the Calgary Flames are every year for example you certainly want to target Kemper and as you mentioned he'd probably be on a discount and that would be a very good I'd say low risk pickup that wouldn't cost you much. So I think there'll be lots of teams that'll be interested in Kemper, particularly after how he played in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He basically mm. stole the Arizona Coyotes around and then he basically carried the Coyotes on his back against the Avalanche, who were just bombarding him with shots. There's nothing you can do with all those scores against him. And he was basically left hung out to dry. That won't impact his value. Too much, in my opinion. I think he'll certainly get some calls on OEL. I think there'll be a few less suitors for him. Not that he's not a good player, but just the cap hit that he carries. As I mentioned earlier, I think Boston will certainly be in on him. I think that would be a good fit. And once again, there's the probable probable discount that you get with OEL right now. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. But I mean, I think... Um, I was a little surprised, like you were, that especially you you say, okay, Kemper and Ekman Larson are on the trade market, but then you don't involve guys like you know Phil Kessel, all these players like Jalmerson. I've heard potentially is out there. If I were them, I mean, I would I would be hesitant to trade Kemper because yeah, he's not a super young guy, but elite goaltending like he provides is really hard to find. And I mentioned they do have um, uh, that Russian prospect down in the minors who's very good. 
But at the same time, you don't know if he'll pan out. So it's certainly a risk, but it sounds like the owner is is kind of forcing their hand a little bit here. Yeah, that's certainly what it sounds like. That's When the trade rumors and trade speculation like that come out of nowhere with actual credibility behind them, which there is lots of credibility behind these, it's mm-hmm. usually ownership pushing that. And I think we'll see some of that from the Florida Panthers too just based on how the team performed this season and knowing that ownership in Sunrise does want to cut some salary, especially now that they're on the hook for Bobrovsky for a few more years, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And they they want to retool. And Florida is a very interesting case, and we can get into them in another episode. But I think when you see sudden moves like this, there's usually one of two reasons why. One, you're panicking and you want to get some assets as quickly as possible because you feel as though your team's on a downward trend. Or two, the ownership's forcing your hand. And I think it's the latter here in Arizona. Well, well, here's the thing. Before we wrap up on Arizona, I mean, you look at Arizona and I just personally, I don't see a very well-built team. You've got, you kind of did your little rebuild where you got guys like Dvorak and Keller and Chikrin. And, you know, you drafted a bunch of prospects um, and some of them uh, you signed a guy like Connor Garland. So you have this mix of young players. And then all of a sudden you start to rush things. You sign Chalmerson, you sign all these veterans, you trade for Kessel. Um, it's just they just rushed it way too much. And then you get to a point where you have no cap space. You have not that many good young players and really aside from your top line, really not a whole lot of scoring in your lineup. So I think this is kind of what you expected because if the mix didn't work out and they couldn't be this defensive team that won games, you know, 2-1 in the playoffs, they weren't going to go very far. And, you know, they pride themselves on defense and they ran into the Colorado Avalanche and the Avalanche smoked them. And you and I, that's exactly what we expected. So you have an opportunity here to build this team the right way and kind of start over, which unfortunately means trading away guys like Kemper and OEL, but I think you kind of have to do it. Yeah, exactly. And I think we're going to see lots of teams like that, especially with the flat cap. I think it's forcing teams to be a little more aggressive in terms of the moves they're making than they otherwise would be. And I think Arizona, you're right that they have some good pieces there, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And I think a lot of people forget that if the play, if the season continued as for normal, Arizona wasn't making the playoffs. They were down and out. They were just, ever since they acquired Taylor Hall, they uh, were just fading fast and they weren't going to make the playoffs. That's a fact. So. Arizona really isn't a playoff team. And they they got a lucky draw against a Nashville team that's been on a downward trend as well. And Darcy Kemper basically gave them that free win because Nashville wasn't doing anything. So this isn't a playoff team in my mind. The other intriguing thing that OEL and Kemper being on the market brings up, Mac, is could ownership be trying to free up some money to sign Taylor Hall? Because I've heard some rumors that they are talking a little bit. 
So that could be a possibility there as well. Yeah, that's that's possible. I don't know why he would want to sign there, especially yeah, in I would agree. circumstances. I mean, I think they're trying, and, and give them credit for trying because he's a good player, and players like that, they don't come around that often. Um, but I don't – looking at the options that are available to him, why would he want to sign in Arizona? Like, think about it from his perspective. Yeah, you're right. Uh it doesn't make much sense to me. Maybe ownership feels a lot more confident on it than you and I are. That's very well mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, it's more of a, a money-saving method than anything else. Yeah, this, this is kind of a common theme in this episode. But more money-saving measures sound like sounds like uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are prepared to move on from Marc-Andre Fleury because... It sounds like they have a five-year deal in place with roughly $5 million per for Robin Leonard. After the Stanley Cup playoffs, it will be announced. That's the rumor. Uh, that comes from the fourth period, by the way, so a pretty good source. Um, I do think that of the two guys you're looking to move, you've got to put Paul Stastny in there too. And, you know, Paul Stastny has given them some good minutes and – at some sometimes he's been a really good player, but he's been really inconsistent. He's an older player, and he's costing you a lot of money. And really, he didn't do much in the playoffs. And he was banged up a little bit, but if you look at how much money he's making versus how much production they're getting, why wouldn't you want to cut costs there with him and with Flurry? And you know, I think they can find a backup goalie on the market, whether it be via trade or free agency, pretty easily. And I think finding a home for Paul Stastny will be a little more difficult. Um, Now, I will mention that he would love to go to Winnipeg if maybe they can sort out the salary a little bit because, of course, his uh, Peter Stastny played there. And I've heard Winnipeg and Stastny pretty much the last five years. Um, But, yeah, Vegas disappointing loss for them they're still a very good team i think they just need to kind of rearrange things and stick with the same group yeah i think you're right and i think it was a bit of a disappointing showing but you've got a good core there you've got some a little bit of money to make some necessary moves get a little more depth robin leonard's going to be very good and that's a good signing for vegas if it happens and it sounds like it will so Vegas is doing the right things here, Mac. You're getting rid of players that are just eating up not only money, but spaces on the roster for better players. But you're becoming a better team. You're getting more depth. So Vegas, we've been praising them for quite a while. I think George McPhee knows exactly what he's doing. So Vegas is in a good situation. Any more news this week, Mac? Yeah, uh, before we... Before we wrap on on uh, news and notes here, I, I want to mention the Islanders. And I think you and I are just so impressed with the Islanders and how far they went this year. And just like you said, we both love Barry Trotz. He's an amazing coach. But the player group there, I mean, there are a number of guys for me that really stuck out that I didn't really know a whole lot about. And... Uh, they just have so many good players, and they're all pretty young. Like, 
you know, I know Brock Nelson raised some eyebrows when he signed that contract, but, you know, he's a really good player that no one really talks about. And then you've got on defense, Pollock, Adam Pellick, Noah Dobson is probably going to be a full-time NHLer next year. We've mentioned Anthony Beauvillier. And then you have Ilya Sorokin, who's probably going to be in a tandem with Varlamov next year. So this team looks like it's it's heading on the upward trajectory. And now what I wonder about the Islanders is, would you be interested in a forward like a Tyler Toffoli or a Mike Hoffman? I mean, I think that would really solidify their top six and potentially give you some more depth for a playoff run. Yeah, they would. And you and I have talked about Mike Hoffman quite a bit in terms of options for teams that are looking for scoring depth. And for good reason, he's a great scorer. He wouldn't give you, he wouldn't carry a very high cap hit. And it would just give the New York Islanders a little more scoring power, which is one thing you and I both made comments about during about during the uh, conference final. Because uh, although the Islanders did an okay job of shutting down Tampa's scores, they didn't have a whole lot of scoring themselves when Tampa was able to shut down their top players. So a little more depth would go a long way. Barry Trotz coached a very good Islanders team. I think that the Islanders are on the up, and they should hold their heads high here, Matt. They played a a pretty good series against Tampa. They took it to six, could have easily taken it to seven, maybe even won it. But Tampa has just been so good, and Dallas really is the only team that could stop them at this point. Uh, I think if Vegas, if it was Vegas and Tampa, I think Tampa would have had an easier job against Vegas personally. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Last note: um, Victor Hedman is three goals away from tying Paul Coffey's single playoff year record for goals by a defenseman. Now, this was set in 1984-1985. Hedman right now has nine goals, so he's already. Uh, made history as one of the most impressive defensemen in terms of scoring goals in playoff history. But if he scores three more, he would tie Paul Coffey's single playoff year record, which would be something else. Okay, that that does it. Let's get on to the series. Yeah, so as mentioned earlier, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. We've already given our quick thoughts on Dallas, so let's start with Tampa here, Mac. Uh, Tampa mm. Bay, to me, they have some Washington Capitals vibes there. I don't know about you, but when when I look at this team and where they were last year when they got swept from the Blue Jackets to where they are this year in the Stanley Cup final, they made great moves. They weren't very flashy moves, but they made the right moves. And the, the team obviously grew from that. You know, they were humiliated last year. You could see you could see how disappointed they were after they came out flat against the Blue Jackets for four straight games. And they had a chip on their shoulder. And then I remember at the start of the season, Mac, they didn't play well at all. Their defense was nowhere to be seen. And then about a month and a half in, they made some adjustments. John Cooper did a great job there. Tightened up the defense, got some more depth, got some more grit. And ever since then, they've really been kind of on a run. And... You could tell they came into the playoffs with one goal in mind. We're going to make it to the Stanley Cup. And obviously the 
final goal is to win it. They've still got some work to do there. But mm-hmm. what a turnaround for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think if you're a team that's in a similar situation to the Lightning, where you're close every year, you're a contending team, but you just keep falling short, the Tampa Bay Lightning, to me, that should be a blueprint of how to take your team from really, really good contending team to Stanley Cup finalist. Yeah, and the thing is, they they did it in a different way. Like, for example, if, you know, Steve Eiserman and Julian Brisebois had planned it out kind of the way they executed it, they could have got guys like a Blake Coleman and a Patrick Maroon um, with kind of less of a price tag. But remember, for years, all they were throwing at you was skill, skill, skill. They didn't have very much size. And I don't think... It's the sole reason that they, you know, failed to make it very far and win a Stanley Cup, but it's a, it is a contributing reason. And I think ultimately, when I look at how they're playing this year and the run they're on, the biggest reason for that is the improved defensive play. And I think it's, you're seeing it with Kucherov. You know, for me, Sergachev has just improved so much defensively. The amount of plays he's made with his stick, with his body, in the playoffs is just really impressive. And of course you've got Victor Hedman, Kevin Shattenkirk is a guy who um, is a nice compliment to Victor Hedman. He can move the puck. He can skate. He's decent defensively. Zach Bogosian. Um, he has come in and played very well. You paid a bit of a premium for him, but he's been very good for them. And I think, you know, he kind of realizes that this might be his last shot to win a Stanley cup. Um, so don't underestimate that. And then, of course, you've got the kind of pest line with Coleman, Gord, and Goudreau. And that's been a really good line as well. But, you know, the players who have won the games for Tampa are the usual guys, the Braden Points, the Kucherovs, the Headmans. So really, what what I'm seeing here is a team that realized the way they played didn't work. And they've really worked hard at becoming better defensively, you know, being better in front of Vasilevsky. And at the same time, they still have those lulls, like some highly offensive teams do, and they still have those things that drive you nuts if you're a fan, like their power play lately. But you know that you're in any game. It doesn't matter if it's 3 nothing, 4-1. You know, you can score two or three quick goals. And you've got Vasilevsky, who's amazing. I mean, there's there's not many goalies that are better than him right now. So, yeah, um, I'm really interested to see what happens the rest of the series. I do think you're going to need more from Sorelli, Kalorn, Palat, because I think Dallas is really putting a lot of focus on Hedman, Kucherov, and Point here. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. Tampa is so close, yet they're still so far because you're playing a Dallas team that, as we've mentioned throughout the show, is very, very good defensively. And Dallas, uh, they may not have the scoring touch, but they have the defensive touch. And in a Stanley Cup final, defense is what will win you games. So if Tampa can tighten it up a little more, I think they need to get off to a better start. Both of us will admit that. Starting last night, Dallas clearly wanted it more from the puck drop. And by the time Tampa got going in the third, as we mentioned, 
the stars were able to weather that storm. So if you're Tampa, I think you need everyone to take it to Dallas all game long, make them work very hard defensively, wear them down with your grit, mm-hmm. and get those goals. They don't need to be pretty. We've mentioned mm-hmm. that many, many times on the show for many, many teams, but it still stands. It still is worth repeating, Mac, that in the playoffs, you don't need the pretty goals. A rebound or a deflection or a tip, that will do. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that really counts is the score sheet. If it's one nothing and the only goal you got was a rebound in a scramble in front of the net, then great, you won. So I think Tampa just needs to get to the dirty areas, make it make life miserable for the Dallas Stars, and they should be able to win this series. But so far, so good for Dallas. Uh, on the on the flip side, if you're Dallas, you got to be very happy for the most part with how you play game one. If you can play the whole 60 minutes like you played the first 40, this should be a pretty easy series win for Dallas if they can keep that up. Yeah, and there was a little bit of fatigue there. We mentioned this with uh, Tampa Bay, and, and that's kind of natural, especially when you come off a long series against the Islanders. Um, I didn't notice it a lot for Dallas because it was a much quicker series. But like you said, they really started to come on in that third period. Uh, they were really carrying the play, and Dallas was taking some penalties. They were making some mistakes. And remember, that that's what skill and a hard forecheck will do for you. If you can hem Dallas in in their own end and you can create opportunities, you will get power plays and you will score goals. So I think if you're John Cooper and I like what he said and the players said uh, in the post game, listen, you know, we lost, we didn't deserve to win. There's no excuses here. We got to move on to game two and that's their mentality. And I think they're going to come out hard in game two. Now what's going to be interesting is how does Dallas respond? Are you, are you going to come out hard or you're going to kind of feel the game a little bit and, you know, maybe we'll see kind of a conservative first period and then the action will kind of ramp up in the second and third. Um, But yeah, this is really just a matchup of styles, right? I mean, you've got Tampa Bay, who's a highly offensive team. They have the best team on paper in the league. Uh, You know, they've been a perennial contender for so long now. And then you've got Dallas, who fell short last year. Um, they're a differently built team. They've got great defense. They've got great goaltending. And one thing they do really well, Matt, that I'm really impressed with is they kind of box out really well in front of Hudobin. And what I mean by that is when you get shots from the point or the slot, the rebounds just aren't there because they're always in position to poke it away uh, to block a shot or to clear the puck. And that makes it really difficult for Tampa to score goals. Having said that, they had a lot of really good chances in the third period. So, yeah, I mean, Dallas, like you said, they have to be happy with game one. But then you look at the third period and you're like, ooh, that wasn't so good. But then you also say, okay, wait a minute. We won two periods out of three. So that's also pretty good. And we got the win. And we looked pretty good doing it. So I'm fascinated to see what happens in game two. But uh, that game certainly could have been closer. I mean, you look at some of the bounces um, for both teams. And, uh, yeah. I Yeah, you're th- right. This is a really tough one for me to pick. And I think you and I are kind of struggling with this one, who to pick in this series. 
Well, I think game two will be very telling. And obviously game two is tomorrow, so this episode will be up by then. But game two for me is going to be very telling on who I think is going to win this series. But we got to make the call now. Uh, I said Tampa was going to win on the outset. I think Tampa didn't have a great game in game one. I expect them to be better. Uh, So I'm going to roll with Tampa. I'm going to probably roll with the majority pick here. But I will pick Tampa, acknowledging that Dallas has a very good chance of winning this series. Yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas. I just, I I like everything about the way they play. And, and I mean, Hudobin's just been so good. Um, and like I said, I like how they play in front of him. I think if you can just kind of weather the storms, like you mentioned, um, when Tampa is really coming at you and kind of limit your mistakes and rely on Hudobin when you have to, but also attack at the other end and have that aggressive forecheck, which has been so crucial for you. I mean, that's your recipe for success, and that's what's led them to success the entire playoffs. So why stop now? Um, yeah, I just I think they're, they, they feel like a team that, that has what it takes, and even when they don't play their best, they can pull out wins. So I'm going to go with Dallas. All right. Well, you know, regardless of who wins, a, a cup drought will be broken. And now Tampa and Dallas don't have super long cup droughts in the grand scheme of things compared to other teams. But Dallas hasn't won since I was very young, born in 99. That's when they won. And the Tampa Bay Lightning haven't won since 04. So it's been a while. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this series unfolds. As you mentioned, a clash of styles. And you and I mentioned this when we were watching the conference finals, that if these two teams met, it really would be Clash of the Titans in terms of which style is going to win out, the more defensive or the more offensive. And there's a lot riding on this for both teams, especially if you're Tampa, because Tampa has been at this for nearly 10 years now. They've been consistently good, and the expectation is winning a Stanley Cup. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. I'm excited for the... End of the Stanley Cup final because not only will we have a Stanley Cup champion, of course, the draft is coming up and we are beginning to work on that. We're looking at getting a guest. We're really looking forward to that one. And as soon as we have some more news, we will get that to you. And I just want to wrap up the episode on a bit of a lighter note here, Mac. The Senators a couple days ago released their new, and I'm putting that in quotation marks, logo. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, look, we knew it was coming, and it doesn't—it didn't surprise anyone. There had been leaks for almost a month leading up to this, but the thing that did surprise me is they just released it in a press release. Yeah, here's our new new logo. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really show any jerseys or anything. They just—they just talked about the logo. It was very strange. Um, now, what what I hear. And I think there's some backing to this is the NHL was tired of all the leaks and told the Sens to get in front of it and just release the logo. Okay. So they just said logo. So no jerseys. Yeah. The jerseys will be on October 6th. And in terms of Jersey news, cause you know, we like to be on top of this stuff, Mac sounds mm-hmm. like Calgary will also release new quote jerseys on the sixth as well. It sounds like from what I've heard, they're going to go to the classic 
white flame as a home and they're going to do a road version so really looking forward to that we should have two new sets of jerseys being released on draft day so that's going to be great for hockey fans it's going to be a great night and it's going to be a great night for jersey people as well we've been hoping calgary would do that for a while we mentioned that during our jersey episode so that'll be great and in terms of what to expect from the Sens jerseys I'm not expecting something we haven't seen before. I'd expect them to be pretty much identical to the ones we've seen from the 90s, the black and white ones. But I'd expect a nice Adidas touch on them. I think they'll look sharper. They'll look a bit more modern. Adidas has done very well bringing these styles from the 90s into the 21st century. And I have no doubt that Adidas has done the same here. Okay, so since, since we're on a lighter note... I want you to name two teams that you would like to see change their logos and branding, uh, whether Ooh. that be to newer logos or to older logos. And I'll name two myself. All right. Sounds good. Uh, well, right off the bat, I'll, I'll say Tampa. I've mentioned them before. <laughs> I don't mind Tampa's jerseys. However, they're too close to the Leafs. They're copying the Leafs. I've always yeah. been a fan of the darker blue with the black. Mm. And you could definitely do a modernized take on that. I think it would look very good. Mm, in terms of another team, I'd love to see Nashville switch their jerseys too. I I don't mind the yellow. I really don't. But to me, there's too much yellow, if that, may, if that makes any sense, Matt. They've got too much bright yellow. They look like bananas on ice. <laughs> with, with the yellow helmet and the, and the socks and the jerseys. To me, they aren't the greatest jerseys. I think... A little extra color in there, and I'd love to see Nashville bring in the uh, navy blue alternate jersey again. I think that and Adidas would be really sharp. They don't need to do a logo change. I think Tampa could go for a bit of a logo change just to make it a little sharper. But mm. Nashville's got a good logo. They've ha- always had a good logo, but they do need a jersey change. How about you? I like that. I like that a lot. Okay, I'm going to go with Arizona. You have to go back to the Kachinas. They're so mm-hmm. nice. Oh, Everybody loves them. I think you would at least guarantee a huge uh, rise in your merchandise sales because people are buying those uh, Kachina alternates like I think no other alternate jersey right well, now. You those and I can't find any. We've been looking. Yeah. And they're just, they're just really nice. I mean, there's a lot of history behind them. And I think you bring them back in a white with the Adidas touch, uh, which is very fancy and very nice. And they would look great. And then the other one I have is LA. Yeah. Go back to the Chevy logo. It's so nice. You know, there was no need to go with the LA shield. I, I don't like it. They bring back the old look. Oh, I don't mind the LA shield. It, it's not my favorite Kings look. I would agree the Chevron, that is the best. I don't think it's even close. With the black and white, it's just so so sharp. And the funny thing is, Mac, I mentioned this briefly on the uh, jersey episode, but I'll mention it again. That if it was Reebok making the jerseys, no one would be asking for these jerseys to come back because they wouldn't look all that great. But just based on how good Adidas has done with these jerseys, everyone's clamoring for these 90s looks to come back because they were great at the time. And then we kind of went to the funny Reebok-edged series in 07 and now we're kind of correcting it right we're we're saying these jerseys didn't exist we're going back yeah, to the it's, it's like 
it's like a remastered jersey that's kind of updated and more modern and it just looks sharper absolutely and i think that we're going to see more teams doing that there are certain modern looks like the dallas stars jerseys that are just so good i would love to see dallas get a throwback jersey to the late 90s with the dark green that would look really good in an adidas but other than well, that, they do, they do have one, the uh, anniversary jerseys, which they've worn mm-hmm. in warm-up, so they do potentially mm-hmm. have that. I, I want to see them wearing them in a game. Personally. I think they That's might. What... I really do. Um, however, their current alternate is the uh, Stadium Series jerseys, which, which are really nice. Sure. Really nice jerseys, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any other teams that you want to mention for jersey changes, Mac? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we, we covered uh, four really important teams there. Mm. You know, Anaheim would be nice to see a, a bit more of a mighty duck, but th- that's another time. Uh, overall, I think that we mentioned the teams that need the jersey changes the most, and I don't think we have any more news to cover today. The only thing we have to do to wrap up the show here, Mac, is we've mentioned who we were taking. Uh, how many games are you going to take Dallas in? I think this is going a long way. I'm going to say Dallas in seven. I'm going to go Tampa in seven. So it it could very well come down to one game. We've been, we've been pretty right on one of our picks, but only one of us will have the bragging rights in the next episode to say we were (laughs) right. Not that we really brag much on this show, but it's all in good fun, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, always fun, Matt. Um, Thanks again. Remember, everybody, you can find Center Ice wherever you get your podcasts. We're presented by the National Podcast Network. Enjoy the Stanley Cup. Stay tuned for our next show, and it will likely be our draft preview with a guest. We are looking forward to that. Just look for more news and an announcement on our Twitter at Center Ice Radio. Take care, enjoy the games, and stay safe.